Welcome to Bible Studies for Life for Adults, uh, hosted by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor, and we have a special guest with us today. Special. Special, very special, and it's Andrew Hudson. Andrew is the brand manager for Bible Studies for Life, and now, Andrew, I'll let you explain what that means as a brand (laughs) manager. Yeah, I kind of like to picture it more as a brand ambassador, so I get to see all the different age levels and, and make some strategy decisions. But also I get to, um, you know, when we were uh, holding conferences and stuff like that, I, I would get to go to the conference and, and talk to uh, people about the entire brand. And so it was more of a brand ambassadorship is um, kind of the way I like that's, it. That's a good way to say it. Of course, Chris and I, we live in the adult world, uh, adult arena, but there is the kid element and there's a the student element as well. So I thank you for representing us in that. And well, I, I, try, I try sometimes my best. Yeah, most of the time. I'm <laughs> well, good. <laughs> so great to have you with us, Andrew. We are in the midst of a study after God's own heart where we look first at one of the Ten Commandments, and then we look at the life of David, a man after God's own heart, and see how he, how he did with living according to or in opposition to that uh, command. So uh, this week, uh, we're looking at uh, the command, thou shalt not kill, which everyone probably has heard. And uh, there's a universal idea that this is found across cultures and across laws uh, for, for all time. Uh, it, it, this is one that, that holds for, for everyone. And then we're going to look at an incident in David's life where um, he uh, was an advocate for not taking someone's life. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, and Tony Evans, uh, Chris, when Tony Evans wrote this, he kind of pointed out how everyone knows, tends to know this commandment. Even they have little understanding of the Bible, uh, they do know there's something about you don't kill, thou shalt not kill. Uh, so it is, and since it is universal. But I want to put a positive spin on it also, to think, well, okay, as we were talking earlier, I'm just not tempted to kill anybody. But the call right. for us is the positive side is we need to respect human life just as God does. So as we jump in our study, we are going to be in Exodus 20. And uh, three words, do not murder. That's it. And we just see that the reason God tells us that is because life is precious to God, to him. And it ought to be precious to us as well. Well, murder, murder helps us to see that this is a... Um, and I think it takes it away from the realm of kill. Uh, I've, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, but I've got a daughter-in-law that won't kill a spider in her house because all of life is precious. And I don't think that's what this means. I mean, I kill spiders on a regular basis every time I get a chance. So, uh, uh, so it's so it's different from that. We probably need this to to point that out. Uh, all right, Chris. So that's a good thing. Let's also raise this. You know, don't kill. What do we do about, well, does that mean we don't, we shouldn't do capital punishment? I mean, how do you guys respond to that? And you've heard that before. Yeah, so uh, I, I love politics and I, I love our criminal justice system. Um, and I, I think I fall into the category that is against capital punishment. Um, 
I think that we uh, have a, a system in place that uh, could correct some behaviors. Um, and so I, I tend to be against the death penalty. Um, but Andrew, you said so, something interesting in that, and you said we have a system in place. You know, you, you, you see there's some alternatives to that. Okay. Sure. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I wouldn't call myself an advocate for capital punishment, uh, but um, I think that uh, state laws and federal laws do stipulate that there are times when capital punishment is uh, the punishment uh, for a especially heinous crime. Uh, I would, uh, I, I am much more comfortable when it's either confessed or the, a murder has confessed or uh, there is strong evidence that this person is guilty and there's little likelihood of any kind of, of, uh, of change in their lives. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not opposed to the death penalty, but I'm not, a, I'm not going to be out there screaming. We should all death penalty. Be, we, everybody should be uh, under that sentence as well. So uh, okay. early cool. in my ministry, I was um, tasked with going to see a guy who was in prison. Uh, his wife attended our church. And that's when I learned that everybody that nobody in prison <laughs> had uh, committed a, a crime at all. Um, so um, it's really hard to know. I, I would I would want there to be some very, very, um, I, I would, again, I want to be very clear that uh, the, this person, either because he, conf he or she confessed or because there were witnesses, uh, that, that that would be a part of the Okay. Well, that's process. fair. You guys gave some good answers. Of course, let me give you the answer from the Bible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, I think you you said good. You know, that's um, where I see where capital punishment is allowed is when you look at the law. The you know here Exodus twenty is part of the law. You'll see in other elements of the law where because of, of uh, something that happened, it was allowed for a person to be put to death, but it was in a um, it was the community behind it. It wasn't just an individual killing another individual. But let me say with this too, uh, there's some of those capital punishment situations you never see, you, we never hear that they were necessarily carried out. Uh, but it also, it doesn't mean you have to do capital punishment. Although the Old Testament law allowed it, that doesn't mean we're required to do it today. So anyway, I think that's something that a lot of our groups are going to raise. Uh, and in groups, uh, even in our church groups, we're going to have people who are uh, very much advocates of capital punishment. And we're going to have people in Andrew's corner who aren't. Uh, and I mean, that's okay for us to disagree. We, um, but it, it could No, be it doesn't. I'm mad at, at <laughs> Andrew. I don't want anything to do with him ever again. because, um, And I think that's the, 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 the complexity in our culture is that we have those polarizing kind of dynamics at play that uh, – it's almost always adversarial or us against them. And, and that's a shame that, that it's, that everything is so polarizing uh, that we you can't even have a conversation uh, sure. about where we might have some agreement uh, because of the, the nature of, of the culture that we live in. Um, so it's, it's, um, um, I think, yeah. uh, Lynn, I think we talked beforehand that, 
our our stance at Lifeway is that we're just not we're not going to probably deal with it in printed material <laughs> as to uh, a perspective that we have one way or the other. And I think we're talking about it now because it makes sense because it is going to come up in conversations. Yes, and there are um, there are biblical grounds for both views. Uh, there really are. You know, it kind of gets in that uh, Romans fourteen uh, different views. Um, but so what we tend to do is we want to talk about this as in an academic sense about talk about capital punishment, what the law, what the scripture says. But there's another part of it too. Jesus didn't he he ran with this and didn't just talk about physical murder. Yeah, so Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5, says, uh, You've heard it said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders is subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to the same judgment. And so to me, it's, um, you know, I I have in the past held a lot of grudges. Um, And so am I harboring a lot of anger or resentment um, in that what Jesus is saying that it's no different than if I were to commit murder against this person. And so uh, there's a real opportunity to, um, you know, seek forgiveness in, in that um, and to repent from that. So he, he calls for a, a higher standard, obviously. That's right. Um, and while Lynn says that uh, murder is not necessarily uh, something that's on the forefront of his mind on a daily basis. I know when we're working together near near each other in the same cubicles and I say something <laughs> that causes his ire, uh, they, that there have been a time or two when Lynn probably is a little angry with me. Uh, so I'm glad to know that you don't think about about taking it to a next step. Uh, but Jesus really challenges us on that, doesn't he? With, uh, if, if you have, you have these feelings in your heart that you hold on to, um, you're, you're, yeah. you're guilty. So, um, yeah. it's at the heart of the matter. Right. It, yeah. That's good. All right. So in our groups, we need to really make sure that we talk about the heart issue as well, or else it's just an academic uh, discussion about other people who kill. But let's now let's turn a corner and let's go into 1 Samuel 26. And uh, we're going to actually look at the second incident, uh, the second time David had a chance to kill. Go ahead and tell everybody how you differentiated between the two uh, incidents, uh, Lynn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't remember what I said. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, The first one was what I call the bathroom incident. (laughs) (laughs) And then scripture is very clear. Saul goes in there to, you know, to take care himself. of business. He tends to take care of business. And, uh, but the second incident, which is just shortly after that, and, and you've seen chapter 26, where it was the, uh, it was the sleeping incident. Uh, Saul and his army, the, the men that were with him were just sound asleep. And David had this, this phenomenal chance. It's like, David, we're giving you another chance. Look, God gave you another chance to kill him. And David wouldn't do it. Uh, is what David said as uh, when the men made this offer to him. He said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will certainly strike him down. <laughs> Talking about Saul. You know, either his day will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. However, now, what you kind of hear from David is, 
you know, Saul's not being a good king. He's chasing me. There's a sense Saul deserves to die, but I'm not going to do it. He says, I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. But instead, let's take the spear and water jug by his head and let's go. In other words, he was going to have proof again to say, Saul, I had a chance to kill you, but that's, if you're going to die, that's God's job. It's not mine. He showed respect for life. And there's a sense he acknowledged God's authority over that man's life. It's, a, it's an amazing statement. Um, and, you know, I, I can't help. I, I visualize this. So it's like they're, they're in the camp together and they go, look, there's Saul. Let's get him. This is your opportunity. And David's going, no, 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 no. I can't do that. So it's kind of interesting to think through what that conversation must have been like uh, for in in the location that they were in to make that call and then to make the determination of what they would do. It just seems funny to me. You know, and, and think of it from Saul's perspective of like, he wakes up and where's my water jug? Where's my spear? And, and now to have that fear of somebody was here, right? Sure. Yeah. And I like how David responds to him uh, when you get to, uh, this is verse 24, as you go a little further down, he, he basically hollers out to Saul, look, I had just chance and I didn't do it. And says, but just as I considered your life valuable today, so may the Lord consider my life valuable and rescue me from all trouble. He's kind of throwing it back at Saul there. Hey, look, I That's valued right. your life. Hey, value mine. Leave. It's, it's an interesting perspective. Uh, I, I, there's a question that's in our material too that uh, kind of ends this think about what are some practical ways we can lift up the value of life before others uh, one of the things you've done throughout this study Lynn, is to remind us that uh, of sometimes the significance of of turning a command from a negative to a positive and i think this is one of those questions that, that helps us to do that Right, and, and that's what we, we, we uh, Chris, you remember, we, that's what we captured in the title, Honor Life, that we're to honor others. I had an interesting conversation yesterday uh, with an African-American pastor, and uh, we were talking about, I want to just pick his brain about social, uh, the racial injustice and all that, and he made a very telling thing. He said, the one thing that would really help is just to sit down and let's talk. In other words, not groups, but like an individual, in his, as we were talking, a white person just sitting down with a black person, having a conversation. And in that, we begin to see the value in the other person. We don't see them as a, a race. We just see them as an individual. And yeah, when, you, when you can name someone um, who fits that, it, it, does, it does change the perspective. And it made me realize that you get to know the person, you certainly want to value them. They become more than just a, a I don't hate to say it, a thing, or just, uh, you know, just, it's just another race. No, this is my friend. This is, you know, we call them by name. I thought that was, that was a great advice for me as I think about the need to honor life. Well, this has been interesting just to talk to you guys about this, and we're grateful for all of you who listen to this podcast and hope that it's been beneficial to you as you think through um, this study. Uh, we realize that some of you who listen are uh, 
leaders of groups. So we want to give you some uh, extra helps. And I think Lynn and Andrew both have something for you uh, at this time. Yeah, Andrew's going to share a teaching tip with us in just a moment. Before he does, let me just uh, remind you that uh, we have other resources that are part of the Bible Studies for Life family. And of course, Chris, uh, who's with us every week, he actually leads the team that produces the senior adult material. It's the same studies. It's just uh, graphically and the questions and some, some things, words are changed to really make sure it caters to a senior adult audience. Now, so Chris, for, for this study, uh, senior adults, because of vast experience, are going to have a, a lot to talk about, especially when they talk about anger issues. Uh, I think that uh, one of the things about um, the idea of do not murder uh, is that emotive dynamic. And when we think about um, how many uh, murders or crimes of passion uh, senior adults have a lifetime of experience where they have had the opportunities possibly to have those kind of heated exchanges with with family members with friends uh, in-laws you know it um, and, and I so I think that uh, I think that even at this stage of life a, a lesson like this uh, would maybe have a different take for senior adults and I think the whole issue of Jesus words about um, about murder in, in Matthew five that uh, Andrew mentioned probably comes into play a lot uh, with senior adults with some issues that they maybe need to deal with at this at this stage in their life. Yeah, and and, and uh, Chris, your leader guide, your teaching plan that's in there, I really like because you really make sure you're hitting where the senior adults live today. Now, Chris, what age group would you define senior adults that your material is geared? Well, for? I'm I'm younger than than that, so um, uh, and I'm, I'm <laughs> glad too, to be, I'm glad to be able to say that. Uh, so, what we have tended to do is to say what, based on research and based on buying patterns, uh, senior adults uh, who identify themselves as senior adults are usually seventy and up. Uh, there's something about the people who follow that that they don't want to identify. They won't admit unless they're getting a deep discount for a ARP that, that they're even at that stage. And and my tendency personally is that way. I, I, I don't and won't probably ever see myself as a typical senior adult. Yeah. Uh, but Chris, we're baby boomers. We're going to go kicking and screaming in a senior adult. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way it is. That's now, really it. There really is something to that. Yeah, let me let me take it to the other side. We also have resources for Bible studies for life that are for young adults, and young adults are twenty somethings. I think we actually had to go up to about thirty five. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I know that I don't fit that. Yeah, and it's, it's don't think just singles. It's singles <laughs> and adults. Uh, it's just in that in that age range of twenties uh, uh, into their early thirties. But again, just like Chris's material goes toward a senior adult audience, this caters to uh, graphically the art we use, how it's laid out, the group plans, what's talked about, really gears for their uh, the culture and the world in which they live. So uh, that is something very unique. Just want to make you aware of that that there are other are some other options as far as age groups out there. So Andrew, uh, inspire us for just this moment teaching tip. Yeah. So like I said earlier, I, I have tended to hold grudges uh, in the past. And so uh, what I would love to encourage you to, to do with your class, with your group, 
is to have everybody just make a list. Make a list of the people that they are frustrated with, angry at, holding grudges towards. Um, and then take that list, pray over that list, pray over that list individually. Um, seek forgiveness, uh, seek reconciliation uh, over that list. Um, and if you are able, reach out to that person on your list uh, or, or people on your list. Um, I know uh, one, one in particular in my life, I held a grudge against a guy for easily 20 years. Um, he was a guy in my life that um, uh, I was tearing down a sound system uh, when I was a high schooler. And uh, he drove up near where we were tearing down the sound system. And, and it was late and I was in high school and I was out there with a bunch of leaders and uh, I mean, he, he chewed me out for being out past the camp's curfew at the time. And I was like, I'm working, I'm doing something. And, and I held on to the bitterness and um, I, I held uh, him in, in a lot of contempt. And um, I, I don't have the ability to, to reach out to him and uh, apologize to him. Um, but I've, I've forgiven him in my heart. Um, and I cannot tell you the weight that has been lifted off of me because of that. Um, but that's what I would recommend, uh, you having a little bit of an activity with your group. Um, and, and if they want, um, to be able to share, uh, down the road, how their conversations with those people went. Um, that they would be able to share the joys of forgiveness um, with the group. So I appreciate what you have said, what you've recommended, and and the fact that you've made it personal. Um, I would I would suggest that uh, along with that that you that that uh, as you as you think about doing this with your group that you take that approach that it's personal, uh, that it not be hatred toward groups or toward uh, systems that's right uh, or things that that maybe you don't you have a lot less control over as far as your response or as uh, what what can be done but you, you really you really think about it from a personal perspective that's right we're gonna work on our own hearts in this this scenario so uh, the individuals that make the list it is their heart that has to be changed Beautiful. Thank you. Appreciate you, Andrew, and appreciate you being an ambassador for BSFL, uh, Bible Studies for Life. I want to thank each of you who listened to this podcast. Uh, many of you have been ambassadors where you have recommended the, this podcast to other people, and we deeply appreciate that. Appreciate you listening uh, to the podcast each week and look forward to you being with us next week.